Welcome to Women Waken, a holistic guide to wellness and abundant self-love, where we navigate healing, relationships, building self-confidence, and unconditional self-love and acceptance for an abundant life. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist, and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. In indigenous cultures, we say seven generations. So I may be long gone and they are still coming forward. So when you say together, I say it with women who are mature, who are elders and women who are younger, because I think together we pull the skills, the talents, the gifts together to move forward and there is room for the sacred masculine who can honor the goddess and recognize that together we can move forward in alignment, in attunement, both contributing to the transformation. We're being rebirthed into a whole different reality that we have the opportunity to co-create together. The patriarchy who wants to maintain the status quo, things are falling apart for a reason. On the show today, we have an amazing guest, Harriet Tubman Wright. Harriet is a soul safari leader to success. She's a spiritual guide for change makers, helping them to fulfill their soul's calling. She steps in when people are ready to be the change that they want to see in the world and help to heal humanity. On this episode, Harriet and I discuss a new paradigm of feminine presence, becoming the matriarch, and the beginning of revering our elders to take into consideration the future that we wanna have in five generations and seven generations and learning from the wisdom of others. So take a listen and enjoy. Hi, Harriet. Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Very happy to have you here. Harriet, you do some really incredible work that is very much aligned with a lot of the concepts behind this podcast of Women Waken. The idea of tapping into our soul's calling, our soul's purpose, and really kind of finding ways to find the work within us to help heal humanity. Yes. When I started my business, it was focused on self-care. And in that process, I realized there were a lot of women who are frustrated and stressed out about their work environment or their work conditions. They're underutilized, underpaid, and because they're not doing what they really want to do. And so I started working with women around soul's calling, which basically means who you are born to be, what you are born to do, and working with them to identify their talents, their skills, those things that we tend to do on the side that are fun, but are really our passion, our creativity. And so as I supported and guided women to step into their true passion, their true purpose, who they were born to be, what they're born to do, 
then there's a whole energy shift. It's like she's juiced because she's doing what she came here to do. And when you're around people who have, who are sharing their talent, who are really in their zone, so to speak, in their essence, there is a magnetic kind of energy that happens and they provide the best service. They share their talents in ways that uplift, empower, and heal others. And so that's what soul's calling. It's being in your true essence, sharing your gifts and talents in ways that empower and heal others. Thank you so much for that. And Harriet, you said that our soul's calling is when we really fulfill our work here, our purpose, what our soul wants. What is that about? What is, do you think that we come into this world because our soul desires something? Do you think that we have a plan in place when we arrive that we, when sometimes people say that when you start to have a lot of synchronicities, it means that you're on your soul's path, that you're aligning with what you set out as a soul to do on the physical realm. Now, I appreciate what you're saying because I like to say, well, the creator has a master plan and Coltrane played that song. The creator has a master plan. And sometimes we come into this world and we've forgotten. We don't remember and we must be reminded that we are here for a reason, a purpose. And when we rediscover that purpose, that passion, we're being and doing our soul's calling. We're being and doing what it is we came here to do. And there are those who believe in past lives. There are those who believe in coming back again and again. And I feel like when we come and get it right in the sense of our true essence, our soul's calling, our true passion and purpose, we are aligned with the master plan or we are aligned with the creator's plan. We are in our zone and it's almost magical. It is that kind of energy is magical and you attract, you manifest, you soar. <laughs> and with others, I mean, it's like the geese when the geese are flying in a particular direction and they're going together. And if one fall, if the leader falls back or down, there are those who accompany it and someone else takes the lead. But they are very purposeful about moving in, the, in a particular direction and they move together. And that's what we have to do, as I believe, in terms of the the kinds of shifts that should that we want to happen, because Mother Earth and Mother Nature are going to be here. The question is, to what extent humanity is going to be here? And so if we're talking about change, if we're talking about the kinds of shifts that will liberate all of us, then it means certain behaviors must shift. And so working collectively, collaboratively, to me, is the way to move forward. Absolutely. And would you say, Harriet, that some of the things you're describing, 
which is coming together, really uniting and connecting with our true purpose, working in community and collaboration. To me, those seem like feminine principles in that when I think of the feminine versus masculine energies, I think of the feminine as that which remembers our true essence. And the masculine is that which honors the essence. So it may create because life is all about creation, right? Mm -hmm. Source is the ultimate creator, but we are all aspects of source that are meant to create. And what I'm hearing you say is that when we align with our true purpose, we create to the highest level for the highest good. And when we all unite together with our soul's work, we create a whole world that's leveled up for the highest good of all beings. Yet we can't get there unless we discover that. So would you say that this work is focused on the feminine and you speak to a new paradigm of feminine presence. So I'm wondering if that sort of relates to feminine really leading the way of tapping in so then we can take off and soar. Because I think masculine is kind of like that soaring. Once we're in our element, we're creating, we're in the more productive mode, but with that divine soul purpose. Thank you for, for sharing that perspective. I like to say divine feminine and sacred masculine and natural or innate feminine qualities are tending, nurturing, birthing. And it is those qualities, tending, nurturing, cultivating, those for me are feminine. That's who we naturally are. And when, and, and that's, I believe those are the qualities I believe that will move us forward. But as, as I said, I say the divine feminine and the sacred masculine because they're to, it's together. I tend to work with mature spiritual women. And what I've recognized is that younger women in their 30s and 40s know more than technology. In fact, they have a greater vested interest in the future, because in the indigenous cultures, we say seven generations. So I may be long gone and they are still coming forward. So when you say together and I say together, I say it with women of who are mature, who are elders and women who are younger, because I think together we pull the skills, the talents, the gifts together to move forward and there is room for the sacred masculine there are there is room for men who can honor if you will the goddess or the feminine and recognize that together we can move forward in alignment in attunement both contributing to the transformation. We are absolutely in a paradigm shift. And when I think of the birth canal, we're being rebirthed into a whole different reality that we have the opportunity to co-create together. And so what is that going to be? We can say peace, we can say justice, balance, harmony, truth. How do we get there together? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you see that happening? Or how do you think it will take seven generations? 
Because I think of this often is, is it going to be in the near future? Is it in way generations down the line? I have no, no idea when it is happening. I look for evidence now that it is happening. And when we have these kinds of dialogues, when the patriarchy who wants to maintain the status quo, things are falling apart for a reason. So how do we put it back together? Or is it something that we want to put back together? Or is it something we want to create anew? And so I'm not, I say the term seven generations because I'll be with my ancestors when younger women and men are taking the baton, so to speak, and co-creating in a way that works for not only for them, but works for Mother Earth and Mother Nature. It really, I like to say healing people and the planet because this is where we are. We're not on Pluto. We're not on Mars. We're on Mother Earth. (laughs) And so that nurturing, that tending, that cultivating, and yes, you talked about the, the producing. All of those qualities are important, but how do we utilize them together with a shared vision of the world we want to co-create. Yes, because at at this time, it doesn't feel that there is a shared vision amongst humanity. There was a quote I heard that I really liked that said, we figured out how to do everything except how to live. To live in peace. (laughs) To live in peace and harmony. We figured out how to get really powerful, really wealthy, successful, how to create a lot of stuff, how to innovate, how to expand tech skills, yet how can you do it? It's That's like trying to have a tree grow 50 feet tall, but no root structure, which is going to no connection to the earth, to the ground, to its its source for life. And it's a crazy notion, yet it's a, the notion that we've created our world around. Well, and I I appreciate what you're saying because create for what? What what create for what? And it I think that it is a question. I believe that it's important to have dialogue, but I also believe the creative process, like artwork, like dance, like theater that those creative processes are one way to get to those answers and to to develop strategies or actions. And it's my, I, a devotee of, of Baba Muktananda and his spiritual autobiography was play of consciousness. And all we're living in is a play of consciousness. And so we get to play and we get to co-create and maybe we discover something that we never knew or we create something that has never been created before and voila, it works. It works in a way that sustains us, that 
empowers us, that uplifts us and enables us to live together in peace with justice. (laughs) Yes. Beautifully, beautifully said. You spoke to the idea of what are we doing? Are we trying to rebuild the current structure? Are we trying to create something totally new? And my thought is that we're creating something new. Absolutely. And and it it's not by means of destroying what is. It's just by means of creating something else that if you are so called to, that you move towards that. And I think that humanity, once we do create a more harmonious, conscientious way of living, we're going to naturally gravitate towards that because then we recognize that our focus has been so much about the material gain and the void of a soul, but the soul is all there is. So it's kind of a very strange way that we live where we deny the one true thing of life and focus on everything else that's ephemeral and not real. So I think when we are able to tap into that, because there's no greater joy or fulfillment than when you truly are aligned with your soul's purpose. As you said, that flying sensation. And we all kind of spend most of our lives feeling so like a bird who can't fly. That's like, and we, cause I think we all kind of have that feeling of, I think I was meant for something more. I think there's something I really would like to do. That's like wanting to come through, but I'm too busy with focus on paying my bills or finding the partner and getting the house and doing all these things that when you die, doesn't matter. And it's not what we necessarily came here for. All those things are avenues for experiencing our soul, but we don't really look at it that way. We just fixate on the achievement rather than the experience mm-hmm. right now. No, it's, I, I absolutely agree. And it's the experience that is the teacher. <laughs> it's what matters most. So what would you tell people, Harriet, who maybe they have this inkling, this, you know, okay, I think I have this job. It pays the bills. I'm, I want to find the right relationship. I want to do this and that, but they seem to keep feeling a lack. They don't seem to be aligning with meaningful work or relationships. Or also maybe they have these ideas about the soul or more meaningful, harmonious life. But for a lot of people, that can be hard to speak to because another strange thing about our world is we mock the idea of love so often. We mock the idea of peace and joy as sort of this, ugh idealistic idea that's not the reality is that life is tough and we just have to survive very masculine concepts right and so i think that a lot of us particularly women are still kind of nervous or reluctant to speak to these things to move to gravitate towards that new way that new structure that people like you and i are trying to build i have a lot of confidence and faith in and i do see women of consciousness, women of depth, women of vision. I'm involved with something called How Women Lead. And um, I was an advisor to Amy Allison who formed the organization, She the People. And she was very, she and her organization were responsible for getting, getting a lot of women elected at the local level and at the national level. And so change can be slow and it takes two. I do believe that there are women with vision and they're in corporations, they may be in politics and alone they can't do it, 
but together and what's all you know, the classic you're in a meeting the woman says something and she's ignored and the man says the same thing and all of a sudden it's heard and cheered on these are things that we're breaking through or women are breaking through and i do see younger women particularly after covid that was the biggest corporate lead women in corporation leaving because they took responsibility for their children at home who couldn't be at school and many of them are not going back to that. I remember watching a Zoom thing where this woman, she's a, she was a, um, a manager. And she says, no meetings on Tuesdays because Tuesdays I take my mother to the doctor. There are things I have responsibilities in, in this office and I have responsibilities at home. And so a lot of women made big shifts in how they were going to generate an income through their work, whether it was in a corporate or nonprofit or whatever kind of environment, there needed to be some flexibility, which forced some men to have to rethink their roles at home and at the job. And I I feel like we are in the process of, of co-creating some different ways of showing up, not only for one another, but showing up for our colleagues, showing up for community members. It's going to take time. But again, I believe in our creativity as one answer for the paradigm shift and for shifting in a way that brings everyone on board. It means looking at our, what do we really value? What is really most important? And people will tell you, no, it's not my, this job. It is, it is skiing with friends on the, what's most important is my time in nature. What is most important is being with my grandchildren. What those are the people are what are, what's really, what are the, what do you value that you recognize or say, I don't want to be in life without this. I, or I want a life of more of this. So it is a shift in, in values, what's most important. And where do I want to see myself five years from now, 10 years from now, where, what do I want for my children and grandchildren? How can I create what is the legacy I want to leave that enables them to be free, that enables them to be joyful, that enables them to, to flourish in whatever they decide to be and do. Yes. Thank you so much. And then I know that this ties into what you're just saying, but Harriet, for, again, those out there, what are some tangible tips? Because I know you work with people to transform from limitations to liberation. Can you share maybe some steps to take to move from limitation in, again, our how we express ourselves in work, but also in the relationships that we have if they don't feel fulfilling? I'm really smiling because, of course, that there's a statement, and it's probably an updated statement, but when I was growing up, no man is an island. No man stands alone. <laughs> and there's something comparable to that now. I don't know what it is. But the point is that 
we do live in relationship to others. And who am I choosing to be? I Am I the co-leader? Am I the one who takes the trash out? Am I the one who puts those ideas into writing or into a program or into how we're going to manage this house or manage this office or be for fulfilled? What does it mean? You know, and so if I'm working with someone, I'm really looking at Again, the values, what is it that is your turn on? What makes you happy? How, what is it that you're doing that keeps you energized, positive, engaged? What are those things? And there are certain people who are very active in their church. They sing in the choir, they're ushers, da-da-da-da-da-da. There are other people who they hang out at the gym and they develop relationships with other people at the gym. So, or at the senior center. So I really believe that it is about knowing your values, interacting, engaging with people who share those values, who share the, that, the vision and really working with people around the vision. I will say to people, what is your vision for your life? Listen with an open heart and let them go under the surface. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? And when you go into that level of consciousness, all kinds of things come up and out that were not up here because they come from the heart. They come from the soul. And that's a way to begin looking at what are the shifts I that are important for me to make so that I'm in this zone. So I am free. I am fulfilled. I am happy. I am engaged. I'm making a contribution and others are making it with me. We are co-creating the world we want. And I think that takes elders. I think it takes young people. I am amazed at young people with the kind of talent and vision that, and I'm saying when they go to college, they move professor, let that little one stand up in front of the classroom because she's got it going on in terms of her vision, her energy, her talent. And so I real again, I think it is about a collective vision, but we, and we can get to that by going beneath the consciousness. And there is a term called visioning. And I do that with a number of people that I work with because it gets to the heart and soul of what is stirring and what wants to come up and out. Could you describe visioning? Like knocking on a door and then somebody comes, you know, you open the door and wow, there's a wonderland in there. Is that a little exercise you could share with us? Like if someone wanted to practice, because visioning is powerful, right? Again, whether you're trying to visualize how it feels as you're talking to, how does it feel? What is it like to be with the person 
your soulmate, the person you'd love to be with? How does it feel to be in your essence with the work that you do, feeling empowered and feeling strong in your voice, in yourself? Do you have a a little guidance? Well, I have formats that I use. I don't have it in front of me, but I was sharing one of the key questions because it's what is it that you want to embrace? What must you release? How does it look? How does it feel? Who will you be when this is when this vision is achieved? And what does it mean? What does it look like beyond your household? What does it look like in your neighborhood or in your in your country? And it takes time to to really sink into what is being asked. And it's again, it's amazing. So if you want to focus on the prompt of give give me a prompt. What do you want to figure out? What what is it that you're coming disturbed about or concerned about? The specific work that I'm meant to do, whether it's speaking or writing or leading, I still am unclear on that. Okay. So in this process, I'm going to ask you a question. We're not going to go through the whole process, but I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to be quiet. And if you want to write your answer or move your answer or share your answer verbally, you can do that. But I'm going to ask the question and you are focusing on your work in the world, essentially. What are you to embrace? for this vision to manifest? I would guess my soul's calling or my soul gifts. What must you release for this vision of soul gifts to be realized? What must you release? Attachment to what other people might expect or think or say about it. Okay. And what does this vision look like, sound like, feel like? And in this, you might draw, you might, what what does it sound like, look like, feel like? Listen with an open heart. Yeah. That's a powerful exercise. I think that will be. Very valuable for a lot of people to take time to consider that. Well, it is. It came from Michael Bernard Beck with the visioning process. I use it with clients, but and I and we use it in organizations. We use it in a lot of situations where we're trying where we want to move from where we are to some somewhere else, but we don't know where else. When I was thinking about, well, this whole elderhood piece, I had, I did visioning. I I went to our women's empowerment circle and invited people to do visioning about it. And ultimately it has come into something that we, we can do, but it is, it's getting beneath the intellect and going to the heart and soul for the, for the responses to come from that, from that place. And people are usually pleasantly surprised because you're going beneath the surface. You're going beneath the intellect. Yeah. And now Harriet, another question I'd love to ask is your full name is Harriet Tubman, Wright. So where did the, how does this name inform your work? 
How did you, how are you inspired to take this name? Uh, my birth name is Harriet Yvonne, right? When I would be at any occasion and they say, well, what is your name? And I would say Harriet, like Tubman. Otherwise people would say, hi, Heller. Hi, Hazel. Hi, Henrietta. But if I said Harriet like Tubman, they would remember. And so at a certain point, I was working for the city of Oakland and in a number of different positions and, and uh, something happened that I didn't agree with. And I said, you know what? I'm sending my retirement papers in this time for real. <laughs> and so when I formally retired, I took on the business name of Harriet Tubman Wright because I had left the plantation. So that is why I go by Harriet Tubman Wright as my business name. And of course, I value freedom. I call myself your guide to be fulfilled and free. And this notion of inspiring women from limitation to liberation. I used to talk a lot about Harriet Tubman and we know that she traveled at night and she traveled with this rifle and she sometimes, because she was hit when she was young, she would fall out at times and just, she would pass out. And so she knew a lot about nature. She had learned from her father. So the way the bark on the tree would tell her what direction, because of course they always traveled at night. And some people were traveling with their babies. So she had a particular herb that she would put on so the baby wouldn't make noise. And if anybody thought they wanted to go back, she had that rifle and she would say, you're going to be free up north or you're going to be free right now, but you're not going back. <laughs> she was, of course, the movie was made and there were some embellishments in with the movie. But the point is she kept her eye on that North Star and the North Star was her journey, her destination. And in the same way, when we're trying to determine what it is we want to do in life or how we want to be, there's a North Star that is our guide. I can be your guide. Other, Your pastor might be your guide. Your teacher might be your guide, but is supporting, guiding, mentoring, coaching you to reach that destination that might be a particular job, it might be a particular country, it might be a particular lifestyle, but it is, you know, it, when you are accompanied on that journey, typically you can get, you, you will get there perhaps more intact <laughs> than if you try to go it alone. <laughs> Absolutely. That having that North star is so incredible because I mean, that is essentially our soul. It's if our soul is within us, it's also without us. And that to me, that, that North star is that essence of our, the pull of our soul that's saying, mm -hmm. don't stop. Mm -hmm. Don't take your eyes off that, that higher purpose, mm -hmm. that higher reason. And that can help us. They say that a, a good why can overcome any how. And exactly. I think that's, that's powerful for, with the North Star because there's so many obstacles in life and there always will be. That's what life is on the physical plane. You're going to have challenges. That's how we grow and evolve. But if you keep your eyes on the prize, if you keep your eye on that North Star, it doesn't matter. You're going to say, this is for the higher good. This is bigger than me. So I'm going to keep for it. Harriet's inspiration, your inspiration, these 
all of these things. And, and again, like you said, it's like all when we all kind of have a similar North Star, it's going to be very powerful. And it already is happening because then we're all moving together in this general direction that, again, is for the highest good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like those geese. <laughs> yeah. The beautiful geese. I have a ton of geese. We have Canadian geese that are always yes. flying around. They fly in this beautiful yes. arrow together. Yes. This yes. Love yes. it. Well, Harriet, this has been such a beautiful and inspiring conversation. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. And it's just been a great time. And I would love for you to share how people can find you if they'd like to learn more about you. And you also are offering generously a free gift. Yes. The gift is called Five Essential Tools to Lead the Revolution Toward Love, Light, and Liberation, a Spiritual Guide for Change Makers. This is the cover of it. And uh, well, people can get it, Harriet, at the right resort, and we'll put some information for people to get it. But the five essential tools, what it it is about our journey toward love, light, and liberation. So it has information about self-care, about soul care. And soul care is, again, being clear about who we be, what we're here to do. Also, um, about sacred ritual and working with altars in terms of sacred ritual. And it also has a section on person-centered expressive arts. And we we all do, person-centered expressive arts is a kind of therapeutic approach where we use drama, we might use painting, we might, in other words, when we come to someone with an issue, the answer is within us. It is up to that guide or that therapist or that coach to help you arrive at that answer. And I remember when I was in the program studying this with, with um, and I it was a two-year program. We would meet three times a year and we, we engaged in a lot of arts. And I always thought that finger painting was so messy. But the last time I put on this jacket and I got into this finger painting and I'm just, oh my goodness, this is so luxurious. This is so, <laughs> I really, I, you know, why so, so long? And the point is working with people in the creative arts is, is one way of healing. It is one way of, of contributing to social, to social change. And so this guide focuses on you, but it also focuses on on you in relationship to your work environment or to your community, asking questions that that um, hopefully help you arrive at a destination. And we will put how it can be received, a link to how we can receive it. But I'm Harriet at the at the right resort and the right resort. T-H-E-W-R-I-G-H-T dot com is, is the website. Um, but we'll put specific information on how you can get your spiritual guide. It has been my joy to engage with you in this, in this conversation. And it's been fun. It's been <laughs> very fun. Wow, you fun. <laughs> yes, fun is so important. Fun, joy, laughter, humor. Thanks for bringing it. Thanks for making us laugh. Thanks, along with wisdom, laughter and wisdom are two, it's a beautiful pairing. (laughs) 
So thank you so much, Harriet. And all of your links will be in the show notes. So people can find you. Thank you for your free gift. I can't wait to check it out. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure, my joy, and so much fun. <laughs> that wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guest. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Don't forget to let your light shine and to keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic. <laughs>